uh, how many of you guys ever been asked to do something really, really hard before? How many of you have been, been asked to, how many of you would never raise your hand no matter what I ask you? How many of you have asked, how many of you have been asked to do something really hard before? Most people, we've all been asked to do something very difficult. I remember when I was 12, maybe 12 or 13 years old. Uh, we were vacationing in East Glorious, East Texas, with, um, with, my, with, with my grandfather at his boathouse. And they had had, uh, over that summer, a torrential downpour at his lake house, and his boathouse was flooded out. And um, it was an absolute disaster mess. And so the waters had finally receded. And so it was going to be me and my 10-year-old brother. And we were going to come and help him restore his boathouse. Massive boathouse made completely of sheet metal, uh, completely enclosed. Only like there's four bays with uh, boats that could come in and out with like huge garage doors that would swing open. So effectively, it was one massive sweaty hot box is what it was. And our job was to go in and clean this thing. And I am going to tell you, I became a man that day. I shifted from boyhood into something completely different. Experienced blood, sweat, and tears for the first time. And it was unbelievable. And I had no, listen, I'm going to tell you, when we saw the boat, we were were ripping things out and sludge and old wood, rotted things and putting things back. It was awful and glorious all at the same time. And I had no idea what was going to happen or what it would look like. But it was amazing. When we were finished with my grandfather, there was like this healthy, amazing pride that we felt after doing what was felt like this impossible task, and it actually meant something, and I remember it to this day because it was hard, because it was a struggle, because there was difficulty, and we went through it, and it meant something more on the other side. It's a memory I'll treasure for the rest of my life. It's the difficulty and the struggle is actually what made it special. It was a shared experience. And that's why I remember it. It was hard, but it was worth it. What we're going to get to see here from the scripture is, listen, God has things for us that are glorious. The Father has actually promised for us more beauty, more glory, more life than anything we could ever imagine. Therefore, trusting him to do the hard things is worth it. Trusting him to do some of the things that he's going to call us into is worth it because it's beautiful, because it's full, because it's glorious and it has life in it. We're in the middle of this series and we're talking about these things that God has illuminated to us from the very beginning, his design over our humanity, those people that are made in his image. And we were shown, even in the first week we were here, that sin is crouching at the door, ready to strike at and to distort and to destroy these beautiful desires that God has given us. And that one of the ways that the enemy wants to strike at us and one of the ways that sin wants to have its way in us is through our design as male and female, through our design of sexual intimacy that God gave to us through marriage. And if you missed the last few weeks, I would encourage you to be able to go back and you can watch on our website or 
You can go back and podcast these things. But what we have seen is that there is a strain that comes from sin and lies from the enemy that creates hardship. Life is tragic and hard at times. Could, could we acknowledge that? I don't know if you've ever been sold a bill of goods. Come to Jesus and your life will always be easy. Please hear, that's ne- that was never the gospel message. The gospel message was come to Jesus and when you go through hard things, he will always be there. He will lead you faithfully. There are ways that every one of us have experienced hardship because of our own sin. Many, many ways. We couldn't list them all here this morning. Every one of us, even as I said last week, have experienced some measures of sexual brokenness, even in ourselves. There are ways that we've all fallen short. And even today, as we wade into these issues to just honor the Lord with our bodies, with our sexuality. There are days where we don't feel like obeying the design. There's going to be temptations and pulls to not trust this glorious, beautiful plan and design that God has created. And so how do we wrestle with that? The Corinthian church was wrestling with the exact same thing. God had called them out of darkness and into this marvelous light with him. He'd said, listen, I'm going to ask you, Corinthians, this Corinthian church, to live in a way that literally no one else in your world is living at all. They don't agree with it. They don't believe it. And yet it doesn't make what my heart has to say to you any less true. Meaning the faithful design of the creator of the universe has stood the test of time. If you want fullness of life, trust the design. Come into what I have made you for. And so he said, I'm going to call you to some things. And no one else is going to agree with you. And you're going to find yourself tempted to go back to old ways or to do the things that the world around you is going to do. And hear this, it's going to be hard. It's going to be really tough. You might even have to have some conversations that are painful. You may have to wrestle with some things internally that are broken. But it's going to be worth it because what I have for you is glory. What my promise is for you is beauty. Will you trust me to do the hard thing? He says in chapter four in this second letter to this church, he says, listen, we're gonna do hard things, so don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. Hear that, church? Hear this. Do not lose heart. If you feel like Church is losing the culture battle in America. Hear this. Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Come on. This light and momentary affliction is preparing. Hear this. The hardship 
is actually preparing us for a weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's the invitation from the God of the universe here. Weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let me, hear, let me say it again. Here's the invitation from the God of the universe. Weight of glory that no one has ever seen. That's what we've been invited into. So the Lord is asking for a yes in our spirit to him, no matter what he says. That's the invitation with him. There is a design that God has created for his image bearers. He has intent and he has order and there's nothing that's haphazard. There was nothing that God did kind of secondarily. He was on the front. His design is meant to lead us towards fullness of life. And everything that God has said and called us to will absolutely lead us towards life, but it won't always be easy. It won't be easy. And so God's inviting us to do things with him that are hard so that we can taste his goodness that comes from his fullness. Matthew 7, 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. These are Jesus's words, not making it up. The way is narrow and hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. Why few? Because it's hard. It's actually hard. I think it, for the world that we live in, it's getting harder. It was easy for a lot, of time, a lot of time, a lot of years, wasn't it? It was easier. And why is Jesus saying that? Because he knows that trusting him and obeying comes with a cost. I'm so, so, so grateful for this invitation to be made clean and pure and whole. How many of you need that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I will, Pastor. I need the cleansing flow of Jesus over my life. I'm a wretch otherwise. I'm so grateful for that invitation, but here, there, that in that invitation is an exchange, his life for my life. It's not fire insurance to get out of hell. It is an abandonment to Keith so that Christ may live in me alive. What a gift. What a gift. But it comes with a cost. Listen, Jesus knows about cost, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Wow. You're not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Saying, I've done this glorious thing and I purchased you, I ransomed you, I bought you. So trust me and follow me. Not obey or else. That's not the heart of the Father. Obey or else. That's not what he's saying is what God has done for you. Let us obey. 
Let us obey. Let us trust him. Let us do the hard things. We were bought with a price. Romans 12, 2. Don't be conformed to the way that the world operates. Be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. That By what? Testing. You may discern what the will of God is, what his good, pleasing, and perfect will is. Be transformed. Do you, hear, do you hear the invitation? Do you hear the invitation? There's a weight of glory, but it's gonna come with a fight. It's gonna be hard. I'm gonna tell you, if you find yourself in a hard place, you might even be hurting this morning. You might even be wrestling. If things are challenging and hard, and not easy for you, church, hear this. You're in the right place because God brings us through hard things to deliver us to a weight of glory. So let's go there with him. Let's be, if, if, it's, if you're in a tough place right now, welcome to the club. Let's do this together. That's what he's saying. Be conformed. Be transformed. Because whatever God promises through the challenges we experience by trusting and obeying him, he has better for us on the other side. Because we're meant to hear this. We're meant to live for another day. That's kind of the hardest thing to do in this life, especially because we just live in a culture that's just so much. Have it your way. BK, have it your way. Right? Come on. You can't get I'm sorry. That'll be in your head the rest of the day. My bad. Thanks, Burger King. But all the world wants to constantly do is promise you the best thing in the whole world is for you to have it your way. And the Lord's just trying to say, well, you can, and you can have that, but it won't lead towards life. Never has. We're actually meant to live for another day. That's hard. That is hard. The Lord is asking, you might even be in here, you don't even believe in Jesus here. The Lord is asking us to see this world in a completely different way. He's asking us to see this world for what it is, the one hour we're here. And then there's an eternity coming. And that's actually what we're meant to live for. And this hour counts. This hour matters. You go back to our original text. It says, we don't lose heart. Our outer self is wasting away, but the inner self is being renewed day by day for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. He's asking us to live for another day. Every decision we make must begin to come through the lens of an eternal life we were actually made for. So we do the hard things because he's worth it, because he's invited us into it. That's what Jesus did, by the way. Jesus did hard things. Jesus did hard things. The easy thing was, by the way, judgment of the whole world because it deserved it. The hard thing was redemption through shed blood on the cross. That was the hard thing. And Jesus did that. John chapter 3, 
Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it because that would have been the easy thing. We were all worthy of the condemnation in our sin. But in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Whoever does not believe is condemned already, but he is not believed, but because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Meaning to believe in Jesus and to trust him is the beginning of loving what is light and to hate what is dark and broken. That's the invitation for every one of us. And not only, by the way, do we love the light, he is the light, but then he says, you are the light. Not only do we love the light, you are the light. As followers of Jesus, we love the light. We push back against the darkness. We want to see the light come through to love the world the same way that Jesus loves the world. Speaking truth and inviting people to know him. Inviting people to the table. Inviting people to the family. That's what we're called. We're called light spreaders. If you're in Christ today, you carry light, Matthew chapter 5. You're the light of the world. Jesus was, John chapter 1, the light of the world. And then what does Jesus say to us? You're the light of the world. How does that happen? We are found in him. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. So we don't become afraid of the darkness, but we stand up to darkness. We stand up to darkness we stand up darkness first in us. And then we stand up to darkness across from us. And we bring light. That's what we do. We had an opportunity to cover these issues and topics and thoughts so that we can learn how to carry light wherever we go. So how do we carry the light? How do we carry the light? Number one, we just live free. You want to know, like, how do I carry this light, this glorious thing that God has done for us, this weight of glory that's beyond all comparison, which, by the way, isn't just for someday to come, but we get to experience the tastes of it now. How do we do it? We just live free. Meaning, when God asks us to bring new light, he says, I want my new light to come in you first. I want it to wash you and refresh you. And so we get to do this. We need to ask the Father, and we're gonna get a chance to do this here when we take communion at the end. Lord, let your light shine in me so that any dark thing is broken so that you have your way. Hear this, we don't, Come to confront, listen, we're meant to bring light into the broken world, 
but it can't start until we're willing to ask the Lord to bring the light into the broken thing in me. So we ask the Lord, Lord, what's broken in me? Would you do that? I want to say this, if, as we've been addressing these issues, we got to talk through, and again, if you weren't here, I encourage you to go back. We had an opportunity to talk through God's design for sexuality and the purity of it, one man, one woman in covenant union with each other for oneness. And that everything outside of that is a broken experience of God's design. It's sinful. It's broken. And so he calls us into that place of purity. And then we all feel the weight of the ways in which we've transgressed that. And so we ask God to come and have his way to make us whole, to make us clean, to cleanse our hearts. If pornography is a part of your life, God has beautiful freedom for you. If it's something that you find yourself wrestling with, Jesus gives us incredible scripture and he says this, if we'll confess our sin, he'll be so faithful to wash us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He's justified in doing it because he's the king of the universe. He paid the price so that you and I don't have to hide in shame and guilt. So that if you are experiencing some kind of sexual brokenness, we say, God, would you come have your way? And then what do we do? We find faithful brothers. Men, we find faithful brothers we can be real and honest with. Ladies, we find faithful sisters we can be real and honest with. And because, listen, this is what God has designed the church to be, right? I think oftentimes the church is like the place where we got to put on the face uh, and then not let everybody know how bad it is back at home. What we need to do is, hey, it's bad at home. Can you pray for me? That's what the church is. Hey, help me, brother. I, I'm struggling with this. I can't stop. Help me. Pray for me. Walk with me. Call me. We do the hard thing. It's hard. Isn't that hard? It's hard to do. It's hard to say, hey, this thing is broken in me. Would you pray for me? Would you be with me? Would you come alongside me? If there's sexual brokenness, even in your marriage, you find another couple or you grab a counselor or you find a mentor who can just sit down with you and speak life over you and encourage you and speak his goodness over you. Pastor, I don't think we could do that. I, I feel so ashamed of all my broken stuff. I don't think we could, I don't know that we could find a, can't go to counseling. I don't know if you grew up in church like us. It was like, oh, they're going to counseling. Come on. Come on, you gotta be honest about it. Let me tell you something. I'm gonna let you in on something. Everybody needs counseling. Now, whether or not it's a licensed counselor or somebody else, son or daughter, you need help. You know why? Because I need help. Because we all need help. One of the most grateful things, one of the things I'm most grateful for, sitting down. I got a brother, Darren, Darren Jones, sit here. I can just sit down with him and have lunch. He's going to pay for it to the glory of God. <laughs> but you know what? I can be real with him. He knows some broken things about me. I'm so grateful. I've sat down with a counselor. If you need a pastor who's never been to counseling, wrong church. Go somewhere else. If you need a church that's running after Jesus in our brokenness, this is the church where we can be real. We can say, I'm struggling, I'm wrestling. I need help. 
I need life. So we go to counselors. Listen, men, if something's broken in your marriage, you call and find a counselor. You lead and say, we need help. You find a mentor. You say, brother, you get in your small group or you get into your community group or you get in your study group that you're a part of here and say, hey, we need some help. Can you help us? Can you, or can you point us in the right direction? We do the hard thing so that we can experience a weight of glory beyond comparison. Come on. Come on. What are we doing here? God attack the sexually broken thing or the whatever it is, honestly. We all got broken stuff. Sexual, we've been talking through this series on purpose because it's a big issue in our, in our world, but there's all kinds of brokenness. You don't know when sexual immorality is listed and homosexuality is listed out in the scripture, guess what it's listed out with? A hundred other things every time. Theft and gossip, slander and malice and rage. The, the, the list is ongoing. And the Lord's saying, do the hard thing. Trust me, because I've got a weight of glory for you. It's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to fight, to share your heart. I can guarantee you, if you're a sinful person, you won't be condemned in this church. You'll be welcomed to come after wholeness and healing that we all get in Jesus Christ. What about the transgender movement? We talked a little bit about that a couple of weeks ago. If you, you might even be here. You might be wrestling or struggling with this issue of identity. You're, this design is male, female. If you're here wrestling with that, hear that, you're welcome here to come after the Lord. God has beautiful answers for you about your design. He wants to be able to speak to you, give clarity, understanding from his heart to you. The church got to be the first place that someone can run when they're wrestling with identity. God has all the identity in the world for us. This should be the safest place for somebody to be able to come. If you feel settled on this issue, then what do we do? Listen, we do the, the, the right thing. We begin to just affirm the design of God in our lives and we begin to do that in our homes. And we start affirming that with our children. And we sit down with our kids and we train them in their design and we celebrate their femaleness and their maleness. And we help them understand the beauty of God's design in them. And we champion it, we challenge, and we run after the beautiful things that God has for us. I'd encourage you to start earlier than later. And if you're maybe behind on the curves, never too late to begin to sit down and just affirm design. We have to do it more intentionally now than ever before. So it's worth doing the hard thing. Listen, nobody likes to have that conversation. But it's worth it. Oh, this is by a side note. Uh, every day you're sending your kids off for seven hours to hang out with someone to be educated. And I want to, as a just pastor, to implore you to think about what that looks like for your child. And it's more now than ever do you need to know what is being taught, what's being shared who they're around, what, who their teachers are, what the curriculum is. You gotta ask those questions now. So wherever your ch child is at, I wanna encourage you to just say, it's time to think about that. Where does the administration stand on this? We need to know. It's worth asking because it's worth doing the hard thing.
I recognize there's a host of reasons why someone might wrestle with their identity, their gender identity. There's a ton. And so what do we do? Someone's wrestling has gender dysphoria. You might even be here experiencing that in some way. Listen, we listen, we ask questions. We show kindness. We show the charity and the beauty and the majesty of God because God cares. That's what we do. So we step into it. And listen, I, I recognize we, can, we can't stick our heads in the sand because this issue has all kinds of political implications, all kinds of things that are going on. We have to recognize there are a lot of politically charged issues, that, including bathrooms and women's sports and uh, public displays and all of those kinds of things. There's all that. We don't want to be uh, absentee in our mind to that. And we're going to speak to all the political things. Actually, we're going to talk about God and government next week. So come back next week. There's my hook. <laughs> but we got to have to care. We have to care. We have to see God's design and we have to take steps to hear his voice in his heart. And so we invite and we listen and we show compassion and we ask questions and it allows our heart of love to grow for each other. Same goes with the issue of uh, same-sex attraction or same-sex orientation. We got, again, to talk about that a little bit last week. If you're here and you experience same-sex attraction, you're in the right place because there's a beautiful God who has a beautiful word to speak over you, has things from his heart to share with you and invite you into intimacy with him. There's some incredible nuances to that conversation, more than we could get to. And in a minute, we're going to take some time to, to have communion together so the Lord can do his work in our own hearts. I have a, by the way, there's a great resource if, uh, if, you're, if you're familiar, if you'd, need a, if you'd like to dig further into this issue and you have some questions, uh, Sam Albury has written this incredible book, Is God Anti-Gay? He is a faithful communicator, speaker, pastor. He actually is an associate pastor at a church here in Nashville. I've had coffee with him. He's an incredible, amazing man, godly man, has written an incredible resource if you'd like more information on it. We can't get into all the things this morning. But the question we got to answer a little bit last week is, does God endorse or does he promote or does he allow or does he celebrate same-sex sexual relationships, including same-sex marriages? And the heart of the Father is no. He doesn't ask for it. He doesn't counsel. He doesn't invite. He doesn't bring in those things. He actually says there's an affirmation of design for sexual engagement, one man and one woman in covenant union together. This is God's design for it. Everything else outside of it is broken. We've said it over and over and over again. But you have to ask, ask the question, Pastor, are you saying that someone who is gay or someone who's same-sex attracted, are, are they condemned by God to a life of unfulfillment and loneliness? No. Is that God's design? In no way, shape, or form does God have that. Why? Because here at this church, because marriage was never designed to fix your loneliness. It wasn't. I think actually marriages fall apart because they were hoping that it would fulfill all their loneliness. It never was. Marriage does not exist to fix our desire to be fulfilled. Only God can do that. Marriage exists to give us connection, to show us what it like, it's like to be two becoming one. But it was never designed to take our loneliness away. It was never desired to cure our lust. It was never desired, it was never, I'm sorry, designed, never designed to cure lust, to cure porn addiction, to cure our lack of happiness. 
Marriage can't do that because your spouse could never bear that weight. What you're looking for is God, and he has fullness to give. And so when we're lonely, we reach out to the one who is able to take our loneliness. That's the heart of God. There are, just for clarity, many married people who experience major loneliness in their marriage. You may have even been in that place yourself. In fact, I would say most marriages experience that in some way, shape, or form. So does God condemn anyone to a life of unfulfillment and loneliness? Absolutely not. You know why we know that? It's because you can be single here right now, single and completely fulfilled. Because marriage doesn't fix the thing, and nor does sex. God has a beautiful weight of glory beyond all comparison. Let's trust him in the design. Let's do the hard thing. Let's stand on the promises of God. What does he want for every single one of us? For us to bring all the things to him. Heterosexual, homosexual, young, old, black, white. What does he want? for all of us to bring the broken things to him and say, oh God, have mercy. Here's my loneliness. Here's my sadness. Here's my anger. Here's my fear. Here's my doubts. Here's my worry. Here's my shame. Here's my guilt. I'm giving it all to you, king of glory. And that's why we sing. And that's why we worship. And that's why we come together we have a God who is inviting everyone, everyone in this room, doesn't matter what your struggle is, doesn't matter where you're running, God says, come, bring it to me. And we search and we seek for our deepest fulfillment to be in our identity as sons and daughters. Hear this. That is what we're running after, being sons and daughters. And so we submit our hungers, our sexual hunger, our heterosexual, homosexual, our desires for power, our desires for material wealth, our desires, our pride and our arrogance, our longing for fullness, and we bring it all to God and say, God, have your way in me. That's the invitation. Have your way. Let's do the hard thing because there's an eternal weight of glory forever. We're here for one hour, church. I'm gonna ask our team to come up. Just make us ready. And I'll just finish with this. You don't know why I know how God steps into all the broken things? It's because that's what Jesus did. He just constantly stepped into the broken things. We haven't even yet talked about John chapter 4 and Luke 19, other places where just Jesus stepped into actual human broken sexuality. And he just said, well, come on. John chapter 4, he steps in with the woman that literally no one would be seen with. She could not show her face because of how broken she was. Her, her brokenness was in sexuality as well. But I imagine it could have been in many things. And he just steps into it with her. And you know what he does? He asks her questions. And he listens. I, I feel like the Son of God was doing what in modern day times is the equivalent of saying, I'm not going to point a finger of anger 
I'm going to go and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to invite you to coffee. And I'm going to ask questions. And I'm going to listen to your story. And then I'm going to invite you to know a living water where you will never thirst again. And first the Lord does that for us. So we got to drink deeply first. And then we're light carriers and we do the same for the broken world around us. So we do hard things because there's an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. That's what I want. That's what I want. I hope you do too. That's our prayer. And we're about to take communion together. The opportunity to say your body was broken and your blood was shed to remove my brokenness, my sin, my shame, my stain. To remove my toxic shame and guilt and to make me this morning pure and holy and righteous and glorious and beautiful. Because that's who you are. Hear this right now. If you're in Christ, you have a Father that looks on you through the lens of the righteousness of Jesus. And so he says, so let's obey, let's trust, let's do the hard thing. It's worth it. There's an eternal weight of glory then and now that we get to experience. And so we're gonna ask through the breaking of bread and through the drinking of the cup for him to remind us of what he has done in us this morning. You guys stand. In a moment, I'm gonna invite you to come down the middle aisle. You come down the middle, come and receive the elements, and then you can go back around to the outside to your seat. As soon as you receive the elements, you are free to take. You can take them right there. You can take them back at your seat. Our team is gonna worship over us. They're gonna sing over us. So receive while they're singing. If you wanna sing with them, sing with them. We'll finish this morning in just a moment. Father, right now, we step into what you did in sending your one and only son so that we would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, your body was broken for us so that we could be whole righteous, healed, delivered. Your blood was shed so that we could come in and to a new covenant with you. So we thank you. We thank you. We worship you. We prepare our hearts now to receive your body broken and your blood shed for us so that we could forever be free, so that we could forever be a light to a broken world, so that we could forever do hard things, so that we can experience an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Thank you, God. We bless you, in Jesus' name.